words on water. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop. This podcast is looking at another aspect of how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted the water sector, how the water sector is responding. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined by two people from Alexandria Renew Enterprises, Alex Renew, as it's commonly called. I have Caitlin Fian. She is River Renew Program Manager, and I have Allison Dynas. She is senior your policy analyst. How are you both doing? Great. Yeah, Good. thank you for having us. Happy uh, to be here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, maybe we could do a quick introduction and just let people know a little bit more about who you are and uh, and about Alex Renew. So, uh, Caitlin? Yeah. Um, so so we we obviously both work for Alex Renew. Um, just a bit of background on, on Alex Renew. We're the wastewater utility in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, we treat wastewater from both the city of Alexandria, as well as portions of uh, Fairfax County, also in in Virginia, um, we have a, a pretty small site, uh, 35 acres, where we treat an average of uh, 35 million gallons per day. Um, that's basically when you look at our, our whole surface area, we we treat wastewater from about 300,000 people, um, and do so with a, a staff of a little over 100 people. Um, and then just kind of looking uh, a little bit more and some of the, the conversation that we're, we're hoping to talk about today, we, we're also implementing a, a pretty major program um, within the city of Alexandria that's called River Renew. Uh, that, that program is um, in response to a 2017 Virginia law that mandated the remediation of Alexandria's combined sewer system um, by July 1st, 2025. And so in the in the scheme of, of the pandemic, that that program has also um, been something that we've had to consider along the way, and and um, I'm more than happy to to talk about how that's kind of changed our process here. Yeah, sure. Uh, Allison, how would you say that the, you know COVID nineteen is changing how you do business? Thanks, Travis, and thanks, Caitlin. So um, I'm Allison Dynas. I'm the senior policy analyst here at Alex Renew, and I've been helping to lead our uh, response to COVID-19. And, you know, Travis, it's it's amazing. It's changed so many aspects of the way we do business. I think, um, you know, one of the most important things, we have a high need for employees to be on site. So we need folks to be here 24-7, uh, seven days a week, 365. And with the addition of the River Renew program uh, that Caitlin mentioned, we've increased the number of staff who have to be on our site. But a lot of the things that we've put into place are how do you manage more people on, on site um, who are performing essential functions in a time when you're supposed to be uh, maintaining physical distance. So, you know, our employees are our most important asset. Our construction partners are our most important asset and help us uh, to help us meet this uh, pretty, um, pretty short deadline for River Renew. And um, it's been, 
it's been an uh, it's been a challenge and an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know I really wanted to dig into this area of construction and um, how you all have addressed the need to keep construction going during this time. I think uh, you know there's probably something that a lot of utilities are facing, and uh, hearing about what you're doing could be could be helpful for folks. Um, could you talk about what construction it is that Alex Renew really needed to keep moving even during this uh, situation? Yeah. Um, so I think just kind of stepping back, or stepping back and, and introducing the program even a little bit further. So I kind of talked about um, River New, and, and that's the program I'm managing. It's so it's coming out of this this 2017 law, and that law uh, mandated both requirements around the combined sewer system remediation. So you know the level of performance that any any solution we had needed to meet, as well as a timeline that we had to meet. Um, and and um, that timeline mandated that any controls that we had to have had to be in place by July 1st, 2025. So, you know, we're, we're one of one, many communities in, in the nation faced with, you know, having to implement a combined sewer system solution. And, you know, we're, we're not saying, you know, we're we're not we're not unique in in that respect, but I think that the the timeline that that was set in us and the level of performance is it was is what it makes us unique. So it's a a, a very aggressive timeline. Um, I kind of hit on it earlier. We're also a a very space constrained site, and so um, just all of that factors into what we're doing today um, in order to meet the requirements of the law, especially the the timeline. The, the solution that we we developed and, and what we've been um, proceeding with is a, a, this program and the largest project within that program is a, a tunnel system that needs to be online and operational by that July 1st, 2025 deadline. Um, right now, the tunnel, the tunnel project will actually begin construction in, in early 2021. So what we're doing right now at our treatment plant is is making sure that we have the space to accommodate that that tunnel system construction. A lot of the mining and um, actual construction will be really focused at our plant to to minimize the impact to the community. And so, um, to clear the space, we're we're conducting a lot of construction projects. One of which is um, uh, demolishing our former administrative building to make space for that the the mining shaft of the tunnel. Um, we also just we operate just like a, a normal treatment plant, and and what with that comes typical upgrades, um, capital upgrades to keep our our treatment processes um, efficient and operating well, so that we can continue to to operate the way that we do. So we have a number of projects underway at our our treatment plant to make sure that that we're keeping our systems running and and preparing for this pretty major program, um, and so. Uh, all of that work is really, it's, if you looked at our treatment plant, it's, it's kind of in every nook, nook and cranny of, of our, our buildings. And so pretty major impact and, um, and to accommodate and make sure that we keep our project on schedule as well as um, get all of these, these projects done so that we can um, minimize, continue to, to keep our treatment plant um, staff really as least impacted as possible. These projects are really, we need to keep them on, on, on schedule. And that's um, what, I mean, what Allison's been doing is, is making sure that both our, our plant can keep operating our, 
our treatment, our plant staff can keep operating our treatment plant, but also our construction partners can keep us on on schedule to meet our our legislative mandate. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really interested in diving into the to the the protocols and guidance that you've put in place for these construction activities. You know, like what sources did you incorporate into your plans? How did you know? How did you kind of figure out what to do? Um, how did you consider approaches by other utilities in in developing this this approach for keeping people healthy and and safe? Uh, you know, regarding coronavirus. I guess Allison. Sure, Travis. Um, you know we. We frankly started pretty early in January and in February as news was coming out of China and the World Health Organization was sending out alerts. We began to look at our pandemic emergency response and continuity of operation plans and update those for um, for a potential pandemic that we didn't know at the time. But the hard work really started um, in early March where we started making some really significant changes to how we were communicating and to our policies um, as cases began to, we started to get more uh, guidance from CDC and cases began to emerge in different areas in the United States. So, um, you know, we, we were very careful and deliberate, um, and we still are, to base all of our guidance on sound science and sound recommendations that are coming out of CDC, OSHA, uh, the Virginia Department of Health. Um, these really form the basis of the recommendations that we're making. And, you know, I think I have to give a shout out to water partners like WEF. The early work that you guys did to post um, updates on protecting our essential critical workforce was really important in kind of helping us frame our response. And then, you know, something that's really, I think, unique and uh, a great resource is um, are the networks that we have in the water sector. So regional partnership calls, national partnership calls, we learn a lot from um, and frankly, liberally beg, borrow, and steal from our from our sister organizations around the country. Um, in particular, I want to recognize San Francisco PUC. They came out with some really great construction guidance early that we based ours on. Um, but, you know, it still, it still requires a lot of work to look at your local conditions, um, the local situation in, in your plant, and update and modify the, that guidance so it, it makes sense for your unique situation. Um, it takes you about, you know, 60% of the way, but there's still that 40% that uh, that really is site-specific, I found. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what what are the procedures then for ensuring health while continuing construction? You've taken taken all those great resources, the information, ideas from others. Um, wh- where did you land then? What's what's kind of the the setup? Yeah, I think we built off of the the guidance that existed, brought it down to our local level, and then I mean created a partnership with our the the con- contractors working on our site. Um, we wanted to make sure that. You know, everybody was bought into to what the guidance was, and so that we were all kind of on the same page. So, um, I mean, back to kind of uh, one of one of the points that Allison made early on. This, these projects on our campus have almost doubled the number of people on our site, and so one of the specific items we we um, we did 
kind of early out of the gate was to to ask our teams to limit the number of people coming onto our site to only the the essential employees that that needed to be there to do do the construction work. Um, and then um, on on the process side, set up a, an approval process so that we could, as on a case by case needed basis, and as these these construction projects evolve, uh, approve additional people that could come onto our site and make sure that we had a sense for um, who was coming onto our site, um, when, and as much as possible, kind of um, help everyone navigate as new people came on. Um, I think that we also um, really wanted to limit the and minimize the exposure by limiting the number of people on site, but also um, striving towards proactive health screenings, um, requiring uh, physical distancing and increasing hygiene. Um, some of the things that we've added even throughout our site, kind of in, um, you know, out even in the open are, are wash stations to help facilitate increased uh, hygiene practices and, and signage that accompanies that to help our construction partners as well as our plant staff um, incorporate these new practices into their day-to-day. Then I think um, stepping back and most importantly, one of the, the things that the, the team has done, and I um, really credit you know Allison here and our, our CEO, Karen, um, to doing this is just acknowledging that this is a, an adapting um, process and that you know you can put out guidance, but you you got you have to reevaluate it as as um, conditions change and and creating an open line of communication between um, you know senior staff as they're trying to navigate this, but also the construction partners, so that as as new problems arise, uh, new conditions change on on the pandemic pandemic front, we can put out new um, guidance. I think it's we've seen um, really thoughtful and, and innovative approaches as these problems arise. I, like one, one particular thing was, you know, the, the use of masks and safety goggles causes greater frequency of, of fogging of those safety goggles. And so um, one of our construction partners um, was able to identify um, first wipes that help minimize fogging of, of uh, actual safety goggles and then identified new safety goggles that um, that were a little bit more resistant to to fogging and and those are the types of things that you know we, we can't think of every single problem but um, creating those open lines of communications allows us to at least know when new ones arise and, and come up with new solutions yeah, excellent I know one of the things with a, a construction site or uh, multiple construction sites is you have a blend of you know Alex renew employees but then also construction uh, companies and contractors kind of coming and, and going um, what how, what are your procedures and how are they different for employees versus members of construction crews so I think one of the things that became really apparent to us early on is that the health of the team depends upon the health of the individual and we are all in this together so you know the basic principles of physical distancing, hygiene, disinfection, staying home when you're sick are the same across the board. Um, so there's there's nobody exempt from those, right? Um, and but one of the things that we did pretty pretty early was create what we like to call a virtual firewall between teams. So um, adjusting both Alex Renew staff schedules as well as construction staff schedules to maintain a separation between the essential workers who are working on site. Um, so that includes 
having um, shifts, like one week on and one week off shifts for, for different teams. And for like operations and maintenance, um, coming up with uh, touchless handoffs in, in different places, whereas one shift is coming on and the other shift is coming off, that there's, there's a lag time there. Um, so, you know, this really has helped us both kind of limit exposure, again, when you have a lot of people on your site, as well as if we should get um, positive uh, reports of, of COVID, of people with COVID, then um, we're able to do contact tracing a little bit quicker, right? Because you'll know who that pod of people is. Um, so, you know, it did require a lot a lot of coordination with our construction crew and contractors because for a normal project, you might have uh, one safety specialist who is there the whole time, but it, you need that safety specialist on site. So so in the weeks that that person might be off, we'd ha we have to find other resources, people resources to bring in during the shifts when that person might be off. So we've really taken a, an open approach to saying, okay, here's what we need to do. How do we implement that? And how does it impact the project going forward and, and um, maintain this dialogue? Yeah, I mean, I'm, this has been a real learning process for everybody. And uh, as you've referenced, you know things change with the uh, with the pandemic and with guidelines and all that kind of stuff. And you've been at this for a, a few months now, um, so you've probably had to make adjustments to your procedures, huh? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know it. You can again. It goes back to needing to to be adaptable to as problems come up. I think even thinking through. Uh, construction and and how to keep our construction projects on schedule. The procedures around um, bringing a new piece of equipment online has been a, a, a something that we've had to to think about and and come up with a new procedure. Such as um, one of our one of our projects that involves bringing um, a new uh, primary effluent pumps online. And you know um, the way we might have done that before the pandemic began was having a bunch of people in our control room and in our, our, our pumping station um, to really test that new piece of equipment. And so we've had to get really creative to um, follow our, our own guidance. And that involves having um, people in, in different parts of the, of the plant and um, using radios and telephones and Zoom calls in order to, to make sure that we're we're um, using our SCADA system to uh, test the equipment and then getting uh, the right readings that we need from um, various different parts of our plant and, and make sure that we're properly testing that program. I think um, the, just being really creative around um, virtual, virtual platforms has been a, a really fun and um, interesting uh, practice and, and thought. Um, in order to adapt to the situation. And, and um, I think just at least having, knowing what, what we need to do and kind of really being um, thoughtful about the big picture of what, what is the purpose and what, what do we need to get out of it? And then kind of being creative of how do you get there is, has been a, a, a fun piece of, of learning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lastly, I just wanted to ask you all about your kind of communication to your community uh, and 
what your messages are during this time about their water services and, um, you know, how you're handling this pandemic. Sure. You know, um, I think we mentioned it before. The flow never stops. <laughs> we, it, um, there's never a point where we can shut the lights off and just go home. So uh, we really work around the clock to support our our customers and the, the community that we serve. Um, and we've been really appreciative. You know, I, many of you who know Alex Renew know we have an environmental center that's also a community center. It's a polling place. It's a place for community gatherings. And we've had to close close it to the community during this time. But it's been really heartening to see how as we kind of close the physical space that's open to the community, how in the virtual space, when we put out our messages, we've gotten just lots of great engagements as we go online and use social media and kind of educate our our, our community about the, the work that we continue to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic to have that positive feedback. It is. It helps. It helps keep us going. You know. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, is there anything else to add? I think just building on what what Allison's saying, I, we've been pretty intentional about trying. We're we're already as an organization when it comes to to engaging the community, we try to be transparent about what we do because um, it's really important to. We know that that um, we have ratepayers and we want to be transparent about the value that we provide. And so that kind of, that mission and that drive to, to continue with this mission, or uh, messaging has meant adapting to um, making sure that, that um, Alexandrians and, and our ratepayers generally are aware of, of what we're doing to keep, keep this essential service going uh, amid the, the pandemic. So talking about everything that we've talked about today that we're, we have, we're making accommodations. We're adapting our our staffing plan to make sure that our our treatment plant operations continue and our and our construction projects continue to keep uh, the revenue program on on schedule. Yeah, fantastic. And I should have mentioned in the beginning that uh, Water Environment Federation is located in Alexandria, so you are our utility, and we <laughs> great we greatly appreciate the work you do. Um, so, and we're glad to be customers, but. Uh, Thank you both uh, so much, Allison and Caitlin, for sharing what you're doing there in Alexandria, how your utility is adjusting and keeping this massive, really important construction project moving forward. So thank you both. Thank you. Travis. Words on water.